sometimes it takes longer than we want for God to move. And um, I just want to commit as a church, right, and as individuals to wait on the Lord. So we're in a new series called Stay, Waiting for the Promise. You like a little insider information? It was going to be stay waiting to go. Because you know the Great Commission, right? We've beat that <laughs> drum a lot at this church. Go, make disciples of all nations, teaching them, right? Baptizing and teaching. But you have to wait to go. You need to stay. And so uh, today, I'm going to start a series called Stay. As long as it takes. I'm going to wait as long as it takes. So, let's start this way. Last Sunday, it was powerful. If you were here last Sunday, you know what I'm talking about. If not, all I can say is dynamite. Right? Six people accepted Christ or got baptized. It was a lot of fun in Jesus' name. And then two weeks ago, we had, what? Resurrection Sunday, right? And that was a celebration. The day that Jesus rose from the dead in victory. I was expecting to get maybe a woo-woo or something. I don't know. In victory over sin and death forever, praise God. Forever. Yeah, woo! Get it, get it, get it. But I've been a pastor for almost 24 years now, and I think this series might be uh, an epic series for, for me and for our church. And in the last 24 years, um, I've noticed something. I've experienced for the most part that many Christians, believers, and dare I say followers of Jesus Christ are not living in victory. It grieves my heart. I've experienced it myself. I'm not condemning anyone today. I'm, I'm preaching my story. That's what I do here, right? I just tell you how it is with me. So I ask myself, why? Why are so many believers in Jesus Christ, saved by His grace, struggling with sin, with selfishness, with worldliness, and more? The list could go on and on. I don't want to bore you, nor do I want to cripple you by the list of gross. Well, what God has been teaching me about this is that Many believers in Jesus Christ live a life without the promise. You say, what, what do you mean by promise? I'm glad you asked. Without the promise. That's what we're living with. Without the promise. Like, well, what was promised? Give it to me. I'm like, yeah, that's what I'm hoping. <laughs> Waiting for the promise. So, do you remember when we were uh, in January? Maybe you were online in January or maybe you were here. Creative Stars Academy. In January, uh, flip your Bible open to John chapter 15. Remember we were in this series called Abide? Who remembers that? All right. A lot of you remember Abide. 
Well, abide comes from John chapter 15, where Jesus says, Apart from me, you can do nothing. Abide in me, and I will abide in you. Apart from me, you can do nothing. But there are a few passages around this, and I'm going to set up the series. I'm not sure how long it's going to take. I'm going to hope to get to the first message today, but I'm not going to rush it because we're staying. Right? I'm not going to rush it. And I have a clock today. Last week, uh, I was like, what time is it? Baptisms are over, but what time is it? Um, So look at chapter 14 of John. If you're there, say you're there. Chapter 14 of John. All right, verse 15. If you love me, I think everybody would raise their hand and say, I love Jesus. I love Jesus. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Well, about that. And I will ask the Father. Something going on in the Trinity here that one person has to ask another person. But that's the dynamic, and it's different than you and I can even fathom, I think. I will ask the Father, and He will give you another helper, a comforter, an advocate, to be with you forever, even the Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. You will know Him. You get that? That's a promise. You will know Him. You know Him, for He dwells with you and will be in you. All right, flip over, uh, or just look across the page to verse 23. Some question was asked, and Jesus answered, If anyone loves me, sound familiar, he will keep my word, obey my commandments, and my Father will love him, and we, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, we will come to him and make our home with him. Skip down to verse 25. These things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. Who said it? That's late, That's late, church. Who's, who's talking? Words are in red, so that helps. Right? Jesus, these things I have spoken to you while I am still with you. The whole point of this passage is he's saying, I'm going. I'm leaving. Right? But I'm also going to leave you a gift. But, verse 26, the Helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name... He will teach you all things and bring to your remembrance all that I have said to you. I like to read this next verse. Peace I leave with you. Yeah, the spirit of peace. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Anybody got an amen on that? Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. So how come we as believers have troubled and afraid hearts? We're going through the same pandemic everybody else is going through, but we kind of respond in the same way everybody else does. And I want to, like, encourage you, like, let's respond differently than the world. We're different than the world, right? And if we're not acting different than the world, maybe we need to stay and wait for the promise, right? Maybe we just need to sit down and be like, God... I'm not moving. I'm as going to long as it takes. I'm going to be right here until you change my heart. Right? Not just the law 
written by your finger and given to Moses, but now the law that you promised that would be written on my heart. That law, okay? All right, look at the next chapter, verse 25, verse, uh, or chapter 25, verse 26. Chapter 15, excuse me, chapter 15, verse 26. But when the Holy Spirit comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, where does he come from? All right, that's easy. He will bear witness about me. And then look at John 16. It's kind of a weird thing there. It says the work of the Holy Spirit. It's in the middle of verse 4. So 4b. I did not say these things to you before or from the beginning because I was with you. Why didn't he say it to you before? Because he was with you. So what is he going to do? He's going away. Right? That's the whole point of the passage. But now I am going to him, the Father who sent me, and none of you ask me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. There it is again. Everybody's sad. Sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper, who is the helper? Yeah, the Holy Spirit. I mean, we didn't have to make that up. We already read that, right? The Helper, who is the Holy Spirit, will come, will not come to you if I don't go away. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who, who's sending? I thought the Father was sending him. Oh, he proceeds from the Father. Jesus sends him. So they're working in tandem. Oh, I see how it goes. And he comes... When he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin. We need that. I need to be convicted of my own sin. You? Concerning righteousness and concerning judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. So many people don't believe in Jesus. Concerning righteousness because I am going to the Father and you will see me no longer. So righteousness was on the earth when Jesus was on the earth. But he's going, right? So what needs to come? Righteousness. The Holy Spirit. To be with us. And concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged or will be judged. Is judged. So let's just remember that when it's not going so well for us. That the victory is already won. The battle is over. Satan and demons are judged. That's important. All right. I think I've set it up enough. I think you get the point. Let me continue here with the introduction to the series. Clearly, Jesus said that he would send the Holy Spirit to comfort me, to guide me, to teach me, to lead me, and to abide in us. When he left the earth. That's clear. The point is, Jesus promised to send us another helper, another comforter, a spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit. So, hallelujah, eh? Like, he didn't leave us alone. He says, I won't leave you or forsake you. You're like, well, where are you, Jesus? 
He's not a liar. He's right here in the room right now. Spirit form. Holy Spirit. So if we have the Holy Spirit, why are we so miserable, defeated, powerless, and hard to console? I mean, I just, I'm just thinking. As a pastor, 24 years of experience, I'm going, if we have the Spirit, then how come we're so weak? Have you ever asked that question? What gives, God? My circumstance and your character, they don't align. What gives, God? I think that's what the whole book of Psalms is about. (laughs) What's up? How come this doesn't make sense? He's like, it's not finished yet. All right. Why do we wonder why it's so hard? Why do we struggle? Why am I struggling? Why do we have this tension of knowing there's a victory? We just celebrated Resurrection Sunday. We just had six people get baptized in the tank last week. We're like, woo! Yes! And then we kind of go through the week and we're like, you know. What's up with that? Well, today I want to start a series called Stay, Waiting for the Promise. I want us to stay. I want us to wait for. I want us to pray for the promise of the Holy Spirit, (laughs) right? To study the passages between the resurrection and Pentecost. Fifty days. All right, so I need some help. I need three. Owen, would you help me? Come on. You don't have to come on the stage. You just, just, just come down here, okay? I need somebody from the middle. You sat in the front. Can I use you, Austin? David, you're up. All right, I didn't even ask David. I'm just like, David, come on. Let's go. All right, so you got this sign. All right, stay right there. You got this sign. You got to get closer to David. And you got this sign. You got to go about halfway between those two. Uh, Halfway between uh, the pew, there, there you go. Yep. So you stay down there. We want to get this time allotted right. So this is about forty days, right? Forty days between the resurrection and the ascension of Jesus. You got that? And this is Pentecost. How many days here? Ten. Ten days. So fifty days total. That's what Pentecost means. Fifty. Oh, I could get into the Old Testament right now. Oh my. This, this year at resurrection, this was the Passover, right? This was the first fruits. This was the barley harvest. And they would wave the barley, right? But over here is the second harvest, right? The wheat harvest. And they would take two pieces of bread and they would wave them. Man, I could get into the symbolism of that. Gentile, Jew. Now together, do you see the timeline? 50 days, 40 days with Jesus, 10 days, where's Jesus? Like, bigger deal than where's Waldo, right? Where's Jesus? 
and they stay and they seek and they pursue him. All right, guys, thank you very much. You get to keep the signs. No, you don't have to. Just lay them down. It's like some kind of like door prize for coming. Being my guinea pig. Thank you very much, guys. I appreciate it. I just wanted you guys to see the 50 days. I want to do this series because I want you to see clearly how Jesus has transformed or transitioned back to the power and authority that he had with the Father before he emptied himself. Do you remember that language? Philippians chapter 2. He's like, hey, I emptied myself of a few things. I humbled myself and put on flesh. I became like you. Sure, fully God and fully man, but he didn't use all of his stuff. Pretty weird way to say it, I guess. But he came to earth to save us by living a perfect life, sinless, by dying a brutal death as a sacrifice, a payment for us, and by raising from the dead. Who does that? No one does that except for Jesus. So the power and the glory in that need to be like researched, right? Need to be like looked at. Need to be like, how do I experience that? I want that. So let's start where we left off on Resurrection Sunday, okay? Flip over to Luke. Where did we go on Resurrection Sunday? You guys remember? Luke what? Somebody call it out. Luke 24, great, awesome. Somebody was here and paying attention. Two weeks, that's a long time. Well done. Luke 24. So I get to this season of the year and I, uh, I love Resurrection Sunday and I get kind of cranked up about it. And then it kind of weren't, weren't, weren't and goes away. But I think Resurrection Sunday is every Sunday. I think Christmas is every Sunday. I think Pentecost is every Sunday. Right? So, I wanted to take our church through the very few passages between Resurrection Ascension, and Pentecost. And I want to rip the cover off the Bible and go, God, what are you trying to tell us? What's going on here? What do we need to know? Because we are looking for, longing for, staying for, waiting for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so look at verse 44. It's just the end of what we looked at last time. Luke 24, 44. Then he said to them, who's talking? Jesus, great. These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you. That everything written about me in the law of the Moses, what's that? First five books of the Bible, the Torah, and the prophets, that's the back section, and the Psalms, all the poetry in the middle, must be fulfilled. Remember on Easter when I gave you all the prophecies fulfilled in Jesus? Yeah, I don't know if you spent any time with that, but that's what he's talking about. 
Then he opened their minds to understand the Scriptures and said to them, Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise again from the dead. Anybody got a proof text for that? How about Isaiah 53? And that repentance and or for forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all the nations beginning from Jerusalem. You are witnesses of these things. What does that remind you of? The Great Commission? You are witnesses. You're going to go of these things. And behold, this is the key verse of our series. Verse 49. Grab your eyes on that. And behold, which is listen up. I am sending the promise of my Father upon you, but stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. Is there anything unclear in that verse? I am, Jesus, sending the promise. We know that to be the Holy Spirit. If, you, if you're like, well, you've never said promise and Holy Spirit in the same kind of like verse yet, we're going to get to Acts 1, trust me. <laughs> Acts 2, again, says it again. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. And then he ascends. All right? So now, I want you to flip over to Acts chapter 1. We've been all over it. We usually don't turn to this many passages. Again, I need to... Set up this series. I just want you to know. Um, did you know, church, who knows, by raise of hand, who knew that Luke is volume one and Acts is volume two? Okay, so it's two parts Luke and Acts. Okay, so it's volume one, volume two, written together to the same guy. His name is Theophilus. His name means lover of God. Okay, let me just read for you the first part of Luke so you understand this. This is just good teaching at church. It's just fun to learn this stuff. Insomuch as, as many have undertaken to compile a narrative of the things that have been accomplished among us, just who did that? Well, Matthew did that. Anybody watching The Chosen? He's always writing stuff down. Matthew did that. Mark did that. John did that. Okay. Just as those who from the beginning were eyewitnesses and ministers of the word have delivered them to us. Okay, so Matthew Mark had already been written at this point when he wrote this. It seemed good to me also, having followed all these things closely for some time past, to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, that you may have certainty concerning the things that you have been taught. Certainty concerning the things you have been taught. What does that mean? When I grew up in Sunday school, a Baptist kid, when I grew up in a Lutheran church, when I grew up in the Catholic faith, when I grew up in Methodist, is that what he's saying? The things you've been taught? Is that what he's saying? I don't think so. I think he's saying this. So friend, that's what Theophilus means, lover of God, friend. So friend or lover of God, let's study these things to have certainty concerning, not the things you learned in Sunday school, 
but concerning the things Jesus taught his followers. Because there might be a difference there. And I think a lot of times as Christians we forget that we're following Jesus, not religion. Okay? We're following Jesus and his teachings, not the church lift. Let's just keep that in mind. All right. If you're at Acts chapter 1, say you're there. Okay, good. All right, so I'm there too. In the first book, O Theophilus, does that sound familiar? That's Luke. I have dealt with all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day when he was taken up. So up to that point. After he, so he's going to give you a little glimpse. It's very small and not a lot of, matter of fact, this might be the only place that says it. After he, so this is what Jesus did. Let's put that slide up there. What Jesus did between his resurrection and ascension. I want you to be clear on this as we go into this series. So what Jesus did between his resurrection and the ascension. This is it. After he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, he presented himself alive to them after his suffering by many proofs, appearing to them during 40 days, that's the 40 days that we talked about, and speaking about the kingdom of God. While staying with them or eating with them, he ordered them not to depart from Jerusalem but to wait for the promise of the Father, which He said. So what's the promise? If you're still not clear, because it hasn't been in the same verse together yet, here you go. Which He said, You heard from Me. For John baptized, immersed with water. We got to experience that six times last week. Soaking wet. How wet were you, Todd? And was there any part on you dry? No. I was soaking wet. I was immersed. I was baptized, baptizo, with water. But you will be baptized, immersed, soaking wet, spiritually speaking, with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Notice he says days, not minutes. Notice he says days, not hours. Notice he says days, not weeks, not months. He says days. I think that's key. They weren't to expect that it would happen in minutes and hours. It's not fast food society like Rochester, Minnesota and the rest of the Western culture lives. Give it to me now, my way, right away. It wasn't just on demand. You had to wait for it. You had to stay in the city. But it also wasn't going to be this prolonged season of months upon years where you're like, what gives God? When do I receive the promise? Right? Is that clear? All right. I can't see your like smile underneath the mask. So I'm like looking for like a, yeah, no, it's not clear. Go again. All right. So let me keep reading. Verse 6. So when 
they had come together, guess what? They asked him. The disciples were full of questions. Anybody else? Yeah, me too. So they said, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom of Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know times and seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So he basically like, wrong question. Not for now. Stay focused. What does he want them to stay focused on? Well, let's read. Here it is. Verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. So in order to be witnesses, you've got to have the power. In order to be witnesses, you have to have the, receive the promise. In order to be witnesses, something needs to be poured out onto you so that you can witness in Jesus' name. Be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And when he had said these things and they were looking on, he was lifted up and a cloud took him out of their sight. That's mysterious. Have you ever had that? Austin, you ever been walking with your college buddies? You're just walking along and all of a sudden, whoop! That ever happened to you? How about you out on the farm? You ever see, like you're walking, you're out in the pasture, right, with a cow, and it's all saying, you ever seen that? Me neither. That's weird. Like, this is the God I serve? He does weird stuff. Oh, you just wait. We're going to study between the resurrection and the ascension. He does weird stuff. Not limited anymore by a physical body. He's in a glorified body now. It's mysteries. Sometimes I think the God that saved us is the God, Jesus, the limited guy that kind of came and emptied himself of, you know, a few things so that he could kind of, you know, level with us. We could kind of feel like we knew him. He could show us the Father and show us the Spirit. And that's the guy we want to serve and that's the guy we want to save us. When we have this powerful God over here after the resurrection, and he was, he created the earth, right? He destroyed cities. He chose Abraham and Moses like he was in a burning bush that didn't consume itself. That's mind-blowing. That's the God after the resurrection who's walking through walls when the doors are locked, showing up on the road to Emmaus with a couple guys, and then all of a sudden he's breaking bread. They go, oh, it's Jesus, and he disappears. What? That's weird. So when we read the Bible, and we see weird stuff like this, like, hey, we're walking along, and he's like, hey, see you later. (laughs) And then it gets weirder still, And while they were gazing into heaven, they're like, where did he go? Is he coming back? I mean, how long before their neck was stiff? God so lovingly sent some people, and he, where did he go? Behold, listen now, two men stood by them. They're looking here, and then all of a sudden there's a guy there. What's happening? 
It's a bad day. And there's two guys standing by him. They're like, hey, why are you guys looking up? Well, wouldn't you be looking up? Jesus just left that way. Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking into heaven? Was God not clear? Did Jesus not say what you're supposed to do? This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Jesus coming in the clouds. But you're going to have a bad neck if you're just looking all the time. Right? So how about we seek him spiritually? How about we stay and wait for the promise until it's clear what he wants to promise this church and these people and me and you? All right. So, what Jesus did, I'm just going to run through it quickly and then I've got to get on, on to it. What Jesus did, Jesus, first of all, he opened their minds to understand the scriptures. That was in Luke. Second of all, Jesus gave them commands through the Holy Spirit. This is the one I want to know about. How did he speak to them through the Holy Spirit? You mean he wasn't there with them? But somehow he gave them commands through the Holy Spirit? Yeah, that's what Acts says. And after he had given commands through the Holy Spirit to the apostles whom he had chosen, so somehow he's communicating to these guys through the Holy Spirit. That's what the Bible says. That's not Steve Diedrich version. That's the written word of God. Let's just be clear. And then number three, Jesus spoke to them about the kingdom of God. He's like, hey, something's happening. It's different now. There's a kingdom, a spiritual upside down kingdom. It's almost like I was reading this and I was like, you know what? Did he go to Galilee and sit down with his disciples? Remember, remember, this is too far. Remember he saw 500 people all at once? Like, what? what? Yep. Ten times Jesus showed up in between the resurrection and the ascension. Ten times. Some of them are recorded in the scripture. Some of them aren't. <laughs> well, they're all recorded, but they're, they're not very, like, it's not a big to-do about it. And one of them was 500 people. Did he sit down and do the Sermon on the Mount again? Hey guys, let me talk to you about God's kingdom. Matthew 5, 6, 7. Here it comes. I'm just going to reiterate what I said to the crowds back then. This is what it's going to be. Like, just Can you imagine that? How did they know the Sermon on the Mount? That's a long sermon. Did they write it down? When did they write it down? Did they know to write it down at the beginning? Or did they... I, I, the Holy Spirit maybe just gave it to them? Whew. Like, really? They could do that? Yeah, that's, that's God. Here, write this down, Matthew. I got it. Thanks. And then this, number four. Jesus ordered them. To wait for the promise of the Father. He ordered them. That's pretty strong language. And then verse 14. I just got you to see it real quick. Verse 14 says, All these were with one accord, one mind, that literally means. Makes me think of Philippians 2 again. Were devoting themselves to prayer together. 
Okay? All right. Now, I've said all this. Just flip one page back. One page back. Where do you find yourself? John chapter what? 20 and 21. We're going to spend some time here. Now, if I stop right here, I always, when I was a kid, I was like, he just stopped in the middle of his sermon. He is so loaded for next week. If I stop right now, I got a message for next week. That's pretty good. You guys want to vote? Let me pray. Father God, I pray that you would give us wisdom and strength. We've set up a series. It's clear we need to stay and wait for the promise. Yet, God, there's a tension of time we all feel. And we wonder if that's enough food for today. So God, would you be clear? Open our hearts. Or let that be enough. And thank you. In Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Man, well, since God didn't tell me, stay or go, did he tell anybody? Tell any of you? Because God just doesn't speak to the pastor, you know that, right? Speaks to the people. I'm being dead honest. Did anybody hear from the Lord? Because I was asking him to speak. All right, Nick. Half the people are like, I didn't hear that. We can make it short. John chapter 20, verse 11. But Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she stooped to look into the tomb. And she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain. One at the head and one at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? It's a bit of a mild rebuke there. She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. Does that seem like he's risen to you? Or does that seem like he's dead? If somebody has to pick him up, if somebody has to lay him down, I'm saying that's dead. She doesn't believe that he's alive. Having this said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing. But she did not know it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? 
So he adds a piece. Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him. That's dead language. And I will take him away. I mean, she must be feeling strong. She's going to carry Jesus by herself. Jesus said to her, Mary, she turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, Rab, Rabbi, Rabboni. It's three levels. This is the highest level. You're amazing, she says. Teacher, you're an amazing teacher, which means teacher. All right, so let's just say this. The message today is turn it around. I'm going to have you turn it around in five minutes. Turn it around. Sometimes when it's sad, when nothing's going your way, what I described earlier in 24 years of ministry, people are miserable, there's no victory, what's going on? I thought I had Jesus. Sometimes we need to turn it around. As in, I need to turn around. That's what I need to do. I need to turn around. I need to see things from a different perspective or angle. All right, so here's the thing. Stop being sad. Stop being sad. Stop moping around. Stop coming into church and being like, ah, I gotta be in church today. It's like, no, you get to be in church today, right? I mean, sometimes I come and I'm like, do I have to haul this crate in again? Do I have to mess up with this children's check-in that doesn't work again? I swear there's demons in the Wi-Fi. Or I'm just not smart enough to wrestle Wi-Fi. I don't know how. It's like invisible. Guys, we need to hear this. And I'm not rebuking you. I'm preaching to myself. Can I stop being sad? Like, if you wake up again tomorrow, be like, yes, I get to serve Jesus on earth again today. Woo! And if you don't wake up tomorrow, believe me, it's going to be better than that anyway. You're going to be in heaven going, woo! Right? All right. So stop being sad. Feel the joy. The joy of the resurrection. The joy of six people getting baptized. Or maybe you need to be baptized. Okay, let's feel that joy. Let's go get baptized. Whatever, that's cool. Or maybe you need to crack the, crack the scriptures open and just start reading and feel some joy. I've been reading through the Psalms. Man, I feel so much joy when I read the Psalms. I mean, he's talking about hard stuff. Yeah, I have hard stuff in my life. But he always gets around to the back end of the psalm. He's like, and if Christ be for us, who can be against us? And because God's on the throne, I can walk through the valley of the shadow of death. And because I know God, Larissa quoted it, right? No one who waits for the Lord will be put to shame. So, stop being sad, feel the joy. Now, sorrow, just to to be quick here, sorrow hinders my ability to do these three things. To think clearly. She's not thinking clearly. She just had a conversation with two angels and didn't blink. 
are you outside your mind? Everybody else is like, I'm scared. And they're like, don't be afraid. She's like, hey, guys, where'd you put his body? She's not thinking clearly. By the way, she thinks he's dead. She's not thinking clearly. All right? Sorrow hinders my seeing clearly. She looked at Jesus the first time and didn't even see him. Were her eyes full of water? Or was her heart full of unbelief? And then this. Hear clearly. The voice of Jesus. My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me, right? Isn't that what it says in John 10, 27? Wasn't that our theme verse a year ago? Mary hears the voice of Jesus. Why are you weeping? Who are you seeking? Doesn't recognize his voice. She's not hearing clearly. But he did something to open her eyes. He said her name. Mary. Hey, Mary. You just put your name in there, whatever your name is. Hey, Steve. I'm here. I'm right here. We go about our day, hustle, bustle, let's get it all done. And Jesus is like, I'm right here. Second thing. Stop holding on. Look at verses 17 and 18 here. Jesus said to her, do not cling to me. She grabbed his feet. Didn't even say that. She grabbed his feet. Do not cling to me, for I have not yet ascended to my father, but go to my brothers. First time he calls them brothers. He's called them slaves, servants. He's called them friends. But now it's like a whole other status. We're brothers and sisters with Jesus. Unbelievable. And say to them, I am ascending. Code word for what? John 14, 15, 16. If I'm leaving, what's coming? The promise, right? I am ascending to my Father and your Father. He connects them to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord and all the things that he had said to her. All right. Stop holding on to the old Jesus before the cross. Stop holding on to religion and putting God in a box. Stop holding on to those things and make the connection that Jesus is trying to make with the disciples. He's going to spend now weeks, seven weeks, 49 days, 50 days, right? Well, that's how long until Pentecost, but 40 days. He's going to spend 40 days trying to speak to them, trying to get their attention, trying to say, hey, 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 hey. Remember everything I said in the upper room? Yeah, 
I need to say it again to you. That's enough for today. We've set up the series. I'm pretty, I'm pretty stoked. I hope you're as excited as I am. I'll be back next week. And I don't got anything prepared. So it better come, huh? Praise the Lord. Let's, uh, let's stand. We're not going to sing, but let's just stand. Let's, let's get out of here. The big takeaway is pray and ask God to meet with you personally as you stay in the secret place and wait for the promise of the Holy Spirit. Jesus will send you the Holy Spirit. You are to pursue Him. Alright? Alright. Father God, help our unbelief. Unbelief clouds our relationship with You. We see it here in Mary, and we can point at it and say, wow, she's not thinking clearly, she's not seeing clearly, she's not hearing clearly. But in our own lives, God, we have our mind made up that we know what go, what's going on. We know what's right and what's wrong, and nobody can tell us anything different. God, help our unbelief. Help us to trust you. Help us to look to you as the author and the finisher of our faith. God, we're staying. We're coming back next week and the week after and the week after. We're staying and we're waiting for the power to show up in our own life personally and in the life of this church. And God, when it does, woo, we will see glory this side of eternity. I pray it. I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.